This, this is the second, second Story Podcast. I'm from Minnesota, which means that I grew up on the lakes. Fishing and swimming make me feel right at home. So it's an early morning and the mist is beginning to rise as the sun comes up over the dense pine trees and the slow hum of the motor pushes me along as I hold out my pole over the side and I wait. Northern Minnesota is a place where you're overwhelmed with calm, where things become clear. And suddenly that test isn't so important. That fight doesn't seem so destructive. I look at myself and the calm washes over me as I realize I'm gonna be okay. It's only when we put ourselves in these places of clarity that we come to these epiphanies, these world-altering realizations that redefine who we are and who we want to be. This week on the Second Story Podcast, company member Nick Ward comes to his own epiphany while submerging himself into his own unique place of clarity and calm. Nick is a Second Story company member since 2007. He wears many hats with the organization, including master event producer, story curator, and excellent storyteller. This story was first performed at Webster's Wine Bar in January of 2013. The theme of the evening was New Again, Stories of Starting Over. With his story titled In It to Win It, Second Story proudly presents Mr. Nick Ward. Between sets at the Logan Square Auditorium, I hunched over the bar. The one on the left, if you're facing the ballroom under the balcony by the street, as far away from the stage as you can stand and still be inside the building. I took sips on a glass of water, my elbows propped in the U-shaped countertop. Concert goers pushed past me, shouting out drinks before disappearing to be replaced by more. Behind me, further masses of people drank, yowled, and flirted under the tall ceilings as they waited for the next act to start. Alone in that sea of bodies, I attempted to affect a pose of indifference, head bent slightly, lips pursed, as if to suggest I didn't have time for a sweaty concert on a hot August night. An arm slung over my shoulder and I heard a boisterous, Hey! in my left ear. It was my friend, Jeff, who spun me around and gave me a hug. You made it, he said, leaning back on the bar and surveying the crowd. It's crazy out there. Joining Jeff was Ellen, his girlfriend. Hi, she said, pulling me close and giving me a squeeze. You want a shot? We're gonna do a shot. Yes, Jeff confirmed. Malort! Ellen perched over the bar to get the man's attention. I smelled their hot breath, even from a few feet away, and watched the sweat drip off of them. They were in party mode. And normally at a concert, especially with Jeff and Ellen, I too would get boozed up to get into the spirit of the event. But that night, three and a half years ago, I was just trying to hide. No thanks, I said, holding up my water and hoping they would see a cocktail. Jeff put a hand uh, on my shoulder. Come on, he said with a grin. You know you want to. Where's Karen? Ellen threw the question over her shoulder. Does she want a shot too? At the mention of my own girlfriend, I was forced to consider the day Karen and I had just shared. I stared at my friends. Jeff and Ellen were a perfect pair. 
talented and ambitious. He, one of the finest bartenders in the city. She, with a master's in public policy. And they were cool as hell, too. All perfectly quaffed, spiky hair, cute bangs. Equally adept at hosting elaborate parties or squiring friends about town. They'd been together as long as I'd known them. A half decade. I was a burnout server. Wasn't sure I could keep anything afloat. I sighed. Karen's not coming. That day, a Sunday in August, had begun quietly, sunlight pouring into my north side apartment. After a decadent breakfast, scrambled eggs with cheese, bacon, hash browns, toast with jam, and mimosas, Karen and I had sat on the couch, curled up together, her shoulder leaning into my chest. I had placed my chin on that soft stretch of skin just below the clavicle and kissed her cheek. Her rich, dark eyes had turned to face me, black hair hanging over her ears. I don't want to break up, I had said. Outside, I had heard kids giggling and ambulance flying past the sounds of the neighborhood. Now, we had met a year and a half prior to that, so five years ago from right now at the first rehearsal of a play. She had waltzed into the theater, threw her bag down, and unraveled layer upon layer of winter clothing. Warmth radiated outward from her, and I stood entranced a few rows away. Angels singing, birds cooing softly, bells ringing. At the final cast party, afraid I would never see her again, I had told Karen she was lovely and asked her out. We instantly fell into a life together. You know how that happens, right? One minute you're doing the, are we going to see each other again? Dance, and the next you're making plans to meet the family at Thanksgiving. I was coming off a string of brief but tumultuous relationships. A whispered goodbye over the phone with Leslie. A public breakup at a coffee shop with Leah. A shouting match outside in the cold in December with Lindsay. Seriously. All of them were named L. <laughs> Looking back on it, I can see I needed a place I could settle into. Karen felt to me like that place. In my apartment that morning, she had wrapped a hand gently around my neck. Is that what you think is going to happen? Us breaking up? I don't know. I've been dreading this talk. Eighteen months in, we were having a hard time actually seeing each other with work and plays and social functions and doctor's appointments and fucking laundry and all of the little things known as life. From Karen's perspective, I was consistently choosing not to spend time with her. From mine, she was overreacting. I mean, don't we all struggle with this, the difficulty of finding time? I need to know that you're in this, Karen had said, bringing her legs up on the couch and hugging them to her chest. Of course I'm in this. I had stood up and walked a few paces away, an anxious gesture of mine. I'm right here, standing in front of you, having this conversation. No, Nick, she had said, and I watched her eyes mist over, her rich, dark eyes. I am in this, okay? I have invested. I have built this. I am in it to win it. You know what that means? I had nodded. I knew exactly what that meant. So, Ellen asked, her mouth close to my ear so I could hear over the noise. How did you leave it? We were on shot number two, huddled together in a circle by the bar. Tumultuously, I said, trying to make a joke. Well, Ellen didn't really know how to respond. That's good? 
Jeff put out a reassuring hand. You'll be fine. I glanced at him. I don't know, man. Karen and I had escalated into a full-scale fight. Now, she had asked why I always went to that party or picked up that extra shift when I knew those choices came in the way of me making time for her. I gotta say, Karen, I had shot back, it really pisses me off how much you're questioning my love for you. She had sat up sharply on the couch and for the first time really lost her cool. Well, Nick, it really pisses me off why you constantly put other things before us. You can't even see how that hurts me, how that makes me feel worthless. Can you possibly deny that's true? I had felt my face go flush. I should have told Karen the truth. The Nick sitting in front of you knows clear as day what I should have said. But the Nick then, three and a half years ago, the 28-year-old Nick, found her question so totally unreasonable that I had stormed out of the apartment and into the side alley. The steamy August heat hit me full on and my hands had started to shake. I thought, of the first night we kissed, after that final cast party, clutching each other in my kitchen. I thought of a vicious fight we had had when I went to Michigan, northern Michigan, for two days and didn't call her. I thought of how I looked in the mirror sometimes, with her asleep in my bed. I wasn't sure who that person was staring back. Everyone, please be quiet! from across the ballroom on the other side entirely of where my friends and I still stood. A portly fellow with a bushy red beard addressed the crowd. Thank you, he said as they quieted down. I squinted through my glasses to watch him adjust his own soda can spectacles. Get into a big orderly circle, he instructed. We'll need a sizable dance floor right here in front of my kit. I turned back to Jeff and Ellen and smiled. Let's do this, I said. They grabbed me playfully by the neck and threw me into the crowd. With me in the lead, we pushed through and emerged at the mouth of the circle where, in the center, stood one guy in a black polo shirt and jeans. The man with the microphone, the portly, red-bearded fellow, was across the circle from us, arms raised behind a tower of electronics. My name is Dan Deacon, he said, and the whole place erupted. He was a knob-twisting mad scientist who composed electro-suites that hipster kids obsessed over that summer like a high school crush. This is my friend Kevin, he said. The guy in the polo and jeans waved. Dan explained the rules. So when the music starts, Kevin here is going to start dancing, and you guys are all going to follow him. When he lifts his leg, you lift yours. When he raises his arms, you do the same, and so on. I'll take care of the rest. I looked at my friends, watched her arm hook into his elbow, fingers dancing along the skin, the most intimate of gestures. I had come back that morning. After a half hour of pacing outside, trudged up the steps of my apartment building and found Karen in my bed, curled under the sheets despite the heat. I had sat down in the middle of the bed, carefully placed a hand on her back, I'm, the words had caught in my throat. Karen had shifted her pillow to lay on it and still look at me. Please never do that again, she had said. If you truly love me, you will stay and talk to me. You will answer me at least. I wish I had ended it there. I knew then, even if I couldn't speak it out loud, that I wasn't in it to win it in the same way that she was. 
but I would have missed giving her apology flowers the next day. Moving in together in the pouring rain, our trip to France, watching the sun come up one morning in a little empty carnival in Bordeaux. We weren't forever, Karen and I just a little bit longer. I had looked her in the eyes. You're right, I had said. I'm sorry. The music began, a dense hum. Kevin, our guide, lifted his right foot slowly and we followed. High-pitched notes crawled out of the speakers. Kevin leaned back and threw his arms upward and we did too. Drums dropped in and Kevin hunched over, moving faster. We tried to keep pace, but the song sped up and with every movement, we inched closer to the center of the circle, swallowing up the dance floor. Pretty soon, we were one big mask, sweaty and euphoric, nobody following anyone. Inexplicably, maybe a pitch in the music changed, maybe a collective decision was made, but we all just started jumping together in perfect unison, loud thumps on the parquet floor. This is awesome, I shouted to Jeff and Ellen, but they weren't next to me anymore. I turned around in a full circle, but I couldn't see them anywhere. I stopped, pushed my way through the crowd to search for them. I tried the bathrooms, the bar sliced back to our spot on the dance floor. The music circled me completely, hordes of people jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping, but my friends were gone, as if they had never been there at all. This isn't over, Karen had said with a smile, after I had groveled and told jokes and tickled her into laughing. I know, I had replied, but can we be friends again? She had sat up on my bed and we kissed, dramatically, the way you do when you have resolved something together, even though we really resolved nothing. You should go to that concert without me, she had said. What? No, it's going to be crazy, and Jeff and Ellen will be there, and... Nick, she had interrupted, her eyes suddenly downcast. You go. Have fun. I'll see you tomorrow. That was Nick Ward. This story was curated by C.P. Chang, with performance direction from Liz Rice and a sound design from Nick Kawahara. Second Story is more than just a podcast. It's an immersive story power experience. Join us at our next live show at Webster's Wine Bar in Lincoln Park in Chicago, September 8th and 9th. The theme of the evening is Eye of the Storm, Stories of Chaos and Calm. For tickets or for more information about Second Story, you can visit our website at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. If you've enjoyed this Second Story podcast, we hope that you'll share it with your friends. While you're at it, take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and help more folks discover the power of Second Story. You can always reach me for a comment at ozzy at secondstory.com. Second Story podcasts are brought to you by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Grants, the Arts Works Fund, and the Chicago Community Foundation. This podcast was produced by Eric Hazen. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening. Thank you.